You know, we want to welcome everybody here. You know, obviously, obviously, obviously. That's right. I got Dave here. Uh, I, I think that... You know, we want to welcome everybody here. Speaking of that, speaking of that... Celinda. You know, we want to welcome everybody here. Everything all at once? Everything all at once. It's honestly a sensation. Aliens listen to it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another incredible mind-blowing amazing episode of everything all at once everything at once damn i'm someday i'm gonna remember how to say the name right one day one day we'll get it we'll get there making progress i said it right last night when some guy asked me at uh nosferatu at the horror fest you did I did then. That was the important time. Not on the actual show, right? Right. I mean, if they're listening, they already know what it's called, they, right? Hopefully, so, right? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe I'm confusing them a little bit. I'm not really sure. Well, yeah. when they hear that slap in the intro music, it's got the all in there, so right. it's not that. Yeah, they'll hear the intro music and know the, know the song. Uh, today, Celinda and Dave are joining us. We want to talk to you guys a little bit about <laughs> what's going on in the world. Some crazy things happening. And uh, I feel weird about calling us a news, this a news show. I'll just say it's some current events. I think current events is the right word. We're going to talk about current events. We're not going to deliver anybody any sort of news. Most well, we might. You never know. Yeah, maybe. Never put a label on anything. Right. We, we might be giving some people their news, which is fine. It's good if you come to us for news and listen to us talk about these current events and... Uh, we're happy to, to bring that to you. It's a it's something that we like and something we look forward to discussing on our own and here on the show now. Um, the first thing that we, we decided that we were going to talk about was the uh, Nord Stream t- pipeline and what's going on in Russia. What do you guys think about, about all this hoopla? It seems like nobody really seems to understand or know what's going on. So all we have is our own speculations. I think uh, that just based on the history of the United States and sabotaging things, that it's pretty likely that that it was the United States. Think it was the United States? Yes. I, I think that's the. Uh, that's, I think that's uh, what, the, like almost obvious. That's like what they want you to think. Yeah. I feel like that's what they're feeding us. It, that's definitely the narrative. I mean, I've heard like. You know the 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 sound bites that Joe Biden said. You know President Biden said, "Oh well, if things aren't taken care of, we'll make sure things are taken care of." You right. know, especially directly relating to this Nord Stream pipeline. And mm-hmm. for for people who aren't familiar with it, it's a a pipeline that goes between Russia and uh, I Germany. Believe, it's Germany, Germany yeah. and, and into Germany and provides tons of natural gas that people use to heat their houses. And there was some, uh, some, 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 sh- some shenanigans yeah. going some on out there. explosions that some happened. Deep on, underwater. On the German side. On the German side. Right. It was 12 miles off the coast of Denmark. Right. And it's like 800 meters below um, sea level. So you can't just like dive down there. You need like some sort of equipment to get down to this thing. So it had to have been some, some actor getting involved in destroying these things. It's a submarine, maybe? Submarine. Unmanned vehicle of some type. I just, uh, I don't really see how Russia benefits from this, but I see lots of ways that the United States benefits from it. And also creating the narrative that Russia did do it. That there are lots of benefits for the United States. I feel like it's right now, uh, most of the European countries don't want to help the United States and Ukraine fight Russia. And if they are successful in making people believe that like Russia is crazy enough to blow up their own pipeline. I think that that is pretty good incentive for like NATO countries to start backing up the United States and like sending money and weapons to Ukraine, which is, would be a big help in, in defeating Russia, which is what the United States wants. And I feel like Russia loses out on on all fronts by blowing up their own pipeline. It doesn't make any sense to me. I've been hearing some, like, 
you know, interesting uh, the he said, she said, really, right now, you know, a lot of it is like, oh, we don't know who did it, you know, terrorism, you know. It was a, a random third party got all the way down there without, during this very tense conflict. Right. Lots of people Without have anyone submarines. noticing. Yeah, a lot of people have submarines. I mean, the Beatles. But, like. <laughs> <laughs> they got a yellow submarine, Maybe right? it was Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr, you yeah, know. Yeah, they're sick of all this <laughs> shit. They, up, they blew the pipeline up. I think that Russia definitely stands to benefit on the fear factor of blowing up their own pipeline. I don't really trust the American narrative that Russia did it, but I'm saying that I feel like Putin is like a very strategic, long-game type of person. And I feel like by showing people that this could potentially happen, and it could be America, it could be some other actor, it could be whoever, but regardless of who does it, Germany and the rest of Europe is in a huge bind right now as far as getting the resources they need to heat their homes through the winter. And I think that Putin, like, the way that Russians have worked in the past is through sacrifice. Like, that's how they won World War II. It wasn't because they had superior military strength or superior weapons or anything like that. It was just that they sent wave after wave after wave of hundreds of thousands of Russian soldiers at this problem. And I think that the Russians are used to a little bit of a, like, not a little bit, but like a major sacrifice in order to reach some sort of long-term goal. Yeah, but I wonder if, like, how it makes sense to them, because that pipeline kind of made, like, Germany, these Nordic countries, somewhat... Uh, rely on them right. for exactly. these resources. Exactly. So now they'd be getting these resources from, I'd assume, a country uh, or a territory that is NATO-backed. So that gives less inclination uh, for these countries to not want to get involved, you know? Because I think the idea from a humanitarian standpoint of watching, you know one country just go in and just level and destroy another country kind of kind of hits you in the feels a little bit i guess yeah. you know right but i mean it's clearly not hitting these countries that the united states wants to help enough in the fields that's what i mean like they needed something to spur these countries on and i feel like this is something that they could really use Whereas if the pipeline wasn't blown up, Russia still has the same leverage because they had already been sending less natural gas through that pipeline since the start of the war. But they could be like, well, if you guys don't help Ukraine, maybe we'll give you some more natural gas. But now that they blew the pipeline up, that's not really an option. But But they are already invested in this pipeline from Russia. And by Russia showing what could happen, like, or what could continue to happen, I feel like they're putting a lot of pressure on these other nations to scramble and to get this natural fuel. And I think what they're hoping is that they're unable to find these resources or sure up these resources or the economic damage is too high for them to be willing to put forth the effort to get these resources from somewhere else. But they won't be able to transport those resources without the pipeline. Right. And they're showing and and by destroying the pipeline now, they're showing that this could like because right now it seems repairable. It seems like they're they have an idea of how they want to fix it and they're able to fix it with these clamps and stuff like that. But by completely shutting it off permanently for an extended period of time, they're they're impeding um, a lot more financial and economic damage to these countries than if they're able to repair it and get it working again. See, I think it would be an interesting turn. I could see what you're saying, and, and it has logic to it, but I wonder if... Um like, that's such a big difference from, from how this conflict has been handled by Russia. Like, up until this point, Russia hasn't been, like, beating around the bush or doing things sneakily. They're like, right. okay, if you don't do this, we're going to attack. Then they attack. Okay, if you do this, 
then we're gonna, you know, bomb this city. We're not gonna spare civilians. We're gonna level this area. We're gonna take this nuclear power plant. We don't give a fuck if it explodes, you know? And then they just do it. Right, they've been very straightforward about everything. Right. So I wonder, it would just be confusing to me that, but, they, they, that they would put in a twist where they just don't like do it like a strong arm style. I feel like you're underestimating KGB intelligence and stuff like that too. Like Russia is a not- notoriously sneaky country as far as like espionage and stuff like that like there were tons of so is america yeah I mean, right we, yeah i was gonna say america's <laughs> equally we both are sneaky and terrible and but i wouldn't put them doing some more covert or some more secrety um like not clearly motivated things um in their plans of attack but to like go along with if we follow your logic wouldn't it be better for them to be like yeah we did blow up this pipeline motherfuckers and if you can if you back up ukraine we're gonna do worse or we're not gonna turn it back on instead of them being like no we had nothing to do with this this wasn't us somebody knows what's going on though i wonder if and hopefully this doesn't get us taken off the interwebs but uh the social medias and all that but uh what, what we haven't talked about an Illuminati New World Order type of thing here. No, you know, not that, at all. That transcends. That's definitely the, an option. The countries, you know, like the the advanced political theater where it's just like they're controlling the world, not not just the the countries in it. Well, and so another interesting thing that has come out recently that leads me more to believe that the United States did this is um, very early on when Russia invaded Ukraine, um, there were peace talks between uh, Zelensky and Putin, and they were actually very close to signing a peace deal. They actually had the whole outline for it and everything, and the Ukrainian government was obviously working with the United States government on this, and they sent Boris Johnson to the Ukraine to tell Zelensky, do not under any circumstances accept this peace deal. Like, we are not ready for this war to be over. And this has is information that's just leaked recently. So there was an opportunity for this war to end way earlier. And the United States very clearly intervened and said, we are not ready for this to be done. So I don't... It seems to me like the United States wants to prolong this conflict, and blowing up the pipeline would definitely do that. I wonder if that's why Boris Johnson... I mean, I know there was other reasons, but I wonder if that was a a heavy factor in him resigning from his uh, prime minister position over in the United Kingdom, just this whole, you know, Britain's, like, middleman spot in this conflict. Yeah, I think that definitely could have been a factor. And I don't, I guess what my question to that is what does America stand to gain by prolonging this war? I mean, I guess there's weapons contracts and billions of dollars just floating around, going all over the place, and tons of money for politicians to to scoop up. But it doesn't really seem to me like there's a clear uh, point in. prolonging this battle for anybody I, I think you just said uh politicians scooping money up and i think that, that i mean that's, that's all, all the reason you right need. honestly <laughs> that's all the reason you need but also like the united states and russia have a very long history of being at some at odds for a long time and especially since like trump and all the russiagate stuff like for years and years now, we have been primed to get into some type of conflict with Russia and have the American public back it up. We've been led to believe that, oh, Russia's interfering in our elections. They There was that story that came out that they were going to shut down the electrical grid. And so I just feel like it's the logical next step for the government to take because this is kind of the path that they have been leading us down for the past like four, five, six years Um, that we're just going to go back into hopefully not another hot war but at least another cold war with Russia. I mean, and they are a superpower. Like, they rival the United States and we don't want that. I, I think that, I wonder if it even comes down to like, you know, the, the satirical image of of the united states as team america world police you know the the image of uh putin 
and Russia being able to figure out this conflict and be the not the the victors, the ones who who let peace prevail over America. You know, right. like do they the, do the Americans want just to hey we solved this, right? Not Russia solved it. You know, like kind of take like the upper hand in this situation. Yeah, you um, got to make yourselves look good to for ending a war or. Uh, you know, defeating Russia. Well, and we do want Ukraine as a NATO country. And Russia, under no circumstances, wants that to happen or will allow it to happen, which is why they started this whole thing in the first place. Well, I mean, and I'm definitely not uh, any kind of sympathizer, but you can only imagine why that would be something that would would be terrifying it kind of it kind of like when uh, uh castro took cuba they became communist right. and they started bringing the missiles over and that you know the cuban missile crisis that kennedy ended up figuring out with uh, khrushchev and uh you get these countries that keep getting closer right. to you that are the exact opposite ideology. Like, what what do you expect them to do besides try to defend themselves? Obviously, I'm yeah. I mean, I'm no Russian sympathizer either. I don't support the war in Ukraine, but I think that it makes sense to look at the actual reasons mm-hmm. why this is happening. If if Ukraine becomes part of NATO then the United States will put facilities in the Ukraine that will hold United States nuclear weapons, and that will be directly on the border of Russia. That would be like Russia coming into Canada and becoming allies with them and putting their nuclear weapons on the border of Canada. Like, how would the United States react to that? Obviously, they would react, and that's exactly what Russia is doing. I mean, when it comes down to it anyways... Nuclear, nuclear uh, weapon strongholds are just a uh, political um, to gain political advantage until they're not. I mean, hopefully right. the not doesn't happen. But if they ever get used in any capacity with these big countries, it's just going to be one of those mutually assured destruction type scenarios. 100%. Yeah, it's not going to be good. So it's just like a it's a flex until it's the end of the world. You know, right. we put the, the nukes there. Just to be like, oh, we're big and bad, and this is just another reason not to fuck with us. Right. Until you get, like, an insane person in office like Trump who has, like, no concept of how devastating something like that would actually be and would set off nuclear weapons without a second thought. I mean, because any sane person wouldn't want to end all life because that would be including their life right you know yeah but i feel like they have a lot of uh ways to protect themselves from from nuclear disaster rich people yeah i mean what are you gonna do i mean obviously they got the underground bunkers but and the supplies and and the supplies but who i mean who wants to just be underground for the next well they have decades luxury underground bunkers yeah they're they're not going to be their lives probably aren't going to change very much. Instead of being above ground in their palace, they're going to be in their giant below ground bunker palace. Yeah. And uh, hopefully it doesn't come to that, but it is concerning, especially like I see the people of Europe really struggling, especially because of all of this, particularly like Germany and our allies and France and Sweden and Norway and everybody that's dependent on Russian oil and natural gas to like heat their homes and fuel their vehicles and make electricity and uh it's just a very precarious position for them i feel like we're quite a bit safer from that situation being across the country and uh having our own resources but they uh they i don't know that they have those resources over there to be sufficient well that's another thing is that if we take out something like the pipeline it creates more incentive for European countries to buy those resources from us. Even though it's a bigger hassle to ship it across the entire ocean, uh, if they can't get it from Russia, then the United States is a, is a good option mm-hmm. for them. I feel like it's a moderate option. I feel like the Middle East and China are probably a lot closer and a lot easier to get those things from. Oh, definitely right. the Middle East. Well, China, too, but definitely the Middle East. That's right there, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I agree. I just, I just think that, like, the pressure that the United States is able to apply to these countries is a lot greater than the, than the Middle East or than China could apply. Like, they have a lot more tricks up their sleeve to make it a lot harder for them to go to these other countries. 
Definitely. They provide, you know, aid and weapons and all these things that the United States puts all around the world. Um, and we could be like, well, if you're not going to buy our natural gas, yeah, guess we're not going to give you all that stuff anymore. So to defend yourself from Russia. Right. I think that all of this makes it the more I think about this stuff, the more I'm cheering for uh, I'm on Team Musk. You know, the Elon to yeah. Mars. To Mars. To Mars, like. Team. Team Musk, dude. I think that's only going to be for the rich people, Dave. Well, even if it's just for. He's going to need artistic folks like us, hopefully. Well, he's going to need so. he's gonna need laborers. Yeah. That's true. Rich people that's aren't going to want to labor. They'll need some slave labor. Maybe yeah. we'll be lucky enough to be their hey, slaves. Hey, if I'm, if I'm a slave on Mars, that's better than cooking under a fucking nuclear <laughs> bomb in, in America. That's I for guess sure. So. And, and speaking of laborers, have you seen, have either of you guys seen any of these posts for the hurricane in Ian or Hurricane Ian Relief? They're like offering people with like there's like phone numbers and they're like $3,500 a week plus room and board and food and all these things to come down to Florida right now to help the cleanup effort. Have you gotten any of those or seen any of those? I have seen them. I haven't gotten any personally. I haven't gotten any personally, but I've seen those ads and let me tell you what it is pretty tempting oh yeah thirty five hundred dollars a week is it is is very it's a good amount of money life-changing even if it's only for like two weeks that definitely changes my overall well-being for quite a while is it is i mean i'd be all about it don't get me wrong i'm a dirty filthy capitalist you know (laughs) with the best of them but uh it's it's kind of depressing that they don't have enough like Red Cross volunteers or whatever to uh, go down there and just get it taken care of. Right. Yeah. Well, didn't the uh, senator and governor of Florida recently just uh, vote against? Well, so right before Ian hit, there was a bill on the floor of the Senate in this Florida Senate um, to give aid to the state before the hurricane hit and um matt gates who is the republican senator in florida voted against giving this aid to his own state um and desantis in the past he didn't vote against this i mean he's a governor so he didn't get to vote on it but um when he was a representative in the house for florida when hurricane sandy hit um, you know, that devastated a lot of the East Coast, and he voted against giving relief funds to any of the states that were hurt by um, Hurricane Sandy. And now uh, Biden is has been touring Florida the past couple of days, and he's out here asking for a couple billion dollars to give relief to Florida now that the hurricane has hit florida but like if it affects anywhere else fuck those guys well they're so focused on um bipartisan agendas uh because that's that's what we got our what, man right here looking at like he's like uh well i don't know maybe we do need that money i mean that's the classic politician uh right. stance right there that's uh, with the hands out like you know very inviting i'm with you you know yeah uh, here we we kind of need this money now that we've yeah. said no it's a classic maybe you guys can help us out a little bit did well, you guys see the picture of him in the white boots did you see him the picture of him with Biden talk and he looks like he's about to like blow his brains out yes. in the background he's like oh my god i can you know right. thank you for being here mr president but thank i just so don't want to be in this picture I with know, you either i know but like thank you i really need the money though so can you please give me the money well you know uh, senator gates he uh, he and DeSantis backed him up there's a bunch of them here that look kind of funny but uh He specifically said that he was all for Florida relief, but he didn't want any of that extra fat in the bill that could be put towards, like, liberal agenda type stuff. That's why he voted it down. You know, that was that was he looks so shameful. He does. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's He's standing next to Biden, and he's just like, oh, I fucked myself. See, but you know what? I have have more respect for him than than, uh, his famous... Uh, former Republican leader, because I don't think you'd ever catch Trump in that si- like if you oh, no. in that situation. No, he'd with be like Biden. these bitches can suffer. Well, no, like just taking a picture with being on the same stage right. with him, you know, like so. I mean, it, it, at least they come together for the uh, important. Right, uh, and it is also hilarious that DeSantis just spent 
12 million dollars uh taking immigrants that were in florida and shipping them to martha's vineyard like that was like three weeks oh, yeah, ago. Oh yeah, that was a big deal. Huh? He just spent twelve million dollars doing that to the uh, sanctuary cities, and then the sanctuary cities were all like, "Oh, hold on, this is a this is a national problem here." And well, I mean, we like Martha's to- Vineyard, like did like give those people some relief but they didn't have like proper housing for them and stuff. And it wasn't it wasn't so much the states or the even like the local government as much as these nonprofits that are just like, you know, singular in purpose and they really truthfully want to help these people but they're like guys, you know, we didn't have any preparation. We right. only have so many resources. They right. work off of grants and donations like it's not a for-profit business. It just puts them in a very poor situation. Right. I and want- all of those immigrants were here legally. Like all of those people that he shipped had already won asylum in the United States. Like none of them were like um, up for deportation or anything like that. They were all here legally at this point. You know it's bad because uh, Jared Kushner, like he he quickly switched and pivoted to something else. But when he was interviewed on Fox News, he did say you shouldn't use people for a political agenda. That's not right. Things like, well, let's talk about something else. You know, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to sound too liberal here. But right. when you got someone like that who's just like, you know, this isn't right. Maybe, maybe, maybe you should maybe do something else. Maybe it's pretty bad. I wonder if you should spell spend twelve million dollars. I mean, it would take a lot more than that, but I wonder if that money would be more suited towards, like, I don't know, like, environmental protection since half the state just got destroyed by a hurricane. That Yeah, all the toxic waste that are just floating around and out in the streets and whatnot. I, I don't know how you can ignore... I mean, I don't know That's how That's what we'd you, be cleaning up if we went down there, dude. I don't know how you can ignore climate change, though. Especially in a state like Florida. Yeah. Where, where most underwater. of your state is surrounded by water. And built on a swamp. Right. Exactly. They just had that high-rise uh, uh, apartment building a couple. Was it like a year or two ago that just like oh, the sunk one that it, collapsed, that collapsed and just like sunk into the ground or whatever? And they were like, it was a structural thing, which I'm sure it was, but because it was an old building. But like, I watched a documentary about that recently. Was it interesting? Was it cool? It was. It was. It's. It bordered on negligence, basically. Mm-hmm. Like this, the engineer that designed this whole thing just got done proposing the same structural ways to build this building that got denied for another skyscraper down the road and then came over to this one that did collapse and was like hey we can do this we can build it this way and everybody's like yeah go for it man do it and then the building collapsed a a year later after he got denied on the first building that he tried to build like this so like really it's 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 criminal, basically, I think. Like, clim- criminal negligence and ignorance just mm-hmm. going Criminals in. in Florida? Criminals in Florida. Florida man is out there. Never. And he's trying to get us. Florida, I mean... What about the people that stayed down there? I mean, do you know anybody personally who did? I know... I saw some people on Facebook that stayed down there. I did, too, yeah. I do, yeah. I have family that lives in the area. So do I. I also had family that left that area. It seems like it, a lot of people were taking... Uh, by surprise because it was expected to stay at like a category three or whatever and then it ramped up to a four and then it ramped up to five like right before it hit landfall right and just annihilated everything but you got people out there like waiting for it with american flags on twit on tiktok like in the rain like screaming and listening to metal music <laughs> and pantera and stuff like that like Fuck this storm we're ready for it down here See, and the American flag waving with the medal is kind of kind of different from what I was going to say because I was about to defend them. <laughs> you know, not that. But uh, I, I don't know. Is it kind of similar to, like, us up here in the, in the great up north when we get hit with, like, crazy blizzards and we're outside driving in, like, eight inches of snow that's unplowed just because we have to go to work? Uh, you know, these people every year deal with hurricane season. You know, how many times... Have you sat around and they're like, oh, we're expecting 8 to 12 inches in two days. Okay, I'll believe it when I see it right Right. now. But I mean, I just feel like they were under an evacuation order. Like, even the governor was like, hey, this is going to be real bad. So you should probably leave. Well, we have those orders, too, to not drive and stuff. Well, but yeah, I'm out there driving. Fuck them. Yeah, well, the stay-at-home orders, I mean, at the the place that I work at, um, we'll leave it unnamed. But uh, the place where I work at... 
when they had that big snowfall a few Christmases ago, they put out that, that you know, order mm-hmm. that people didn't have to, you know, stay at home, don't be on the roads. Well, they were getting a hold of people. Hey, could you please come in? You know, we'll pay you extra or we'll, you know, we'll give you some perks. We can't force you to come in because there's a, uh, you know, a county-issued uh, mandate to stay home. But, you know, if you feel like risking your life on the road, you know, we'll go we'll, right. we'll make it worth your while. I just feel like it has to get, like, really, really bad for something like that to be issued where we are. Like, it has to be, like, six feet of snow in 24 hours like it was that one Christmas. Well, I'd say Ian is pretty comparable to that yeah. with how much stuff got destroyed. I just think that it's just they, we live in a different part of a country of the country. We don't right. deal with hurricanes. So, like, when we see something like that, we go, well, why the hell do these these people not leave? Are they, you know, dumb or dense or, you know, stubborn no, I, or whatever? I appreciate their tenacity. Tenacity. Yes, tenacity. I appreciate it. Yeah. Survive that shit. There's, I, I do, too. There's so much wreckage and stuff on TikTok. People, like, floating around in, like, kiddie pools in their living room that's, like, four feet underwater. And they're like, yeah. We're making it out here, and there's, like, boats floating down the street and sailboats and roofs getting torn off. I was stuck in this—well, in this. Well, I, like, forcefully—I heard that there was a, a, a TikTok algorithm of just hor- hurricane uh, destruction, and I got myself into it and just watched tons and tons of people's property getting destroyed, which really sucks for them. And I don't mean to sound callous or anything like that, but I'm not invested in Florida and weather, or Tampa or St. Petersburg— where people are getting all of their stuff destroyed but it was fun to it's like those morbid curiosity type things morbid curiosity where you're just watching roofs float down streets and i mean it's sad you hope that those people i mean they got their homeowners insurance and stuff but it's just like when you live in a tornado alley you know you hope it doesn't hit you yeah i mean people gotta live somewhere i mean right florida i think a lot of people go down there for like luxury or it's like a snowbird place or a retirement place to go so it's like a destination state right so you got people that like have their uh have their feet dug in yeah they don't want to be there they want to be there they don't want to go anywhere else right the hurricane's better than the snow right i mean the hurricane only lasts like a couple of days snow lasts six months dave do you think you could survive a hurricane no, I can't. I don't know how to swim, dude. <laughs> no, I couldn't. I'd, I'd, what if I'd, you had a floaty pool to sit in? A floaty pool? I mean, if I have my, my arm wings on or yeah, something. little wingies? Or like a safe, no. And a life jacket? Do you, I'd, I think I'd rather take my chances against a tornado. Yeah? Yeah, than a hurricane. I think I want to go through a hurricane. Yeah. Like, just to survive it and ride it out. I feel like that would be an experience and it would be exciting. I think tornadoes look so much cooler. Yeah, because they're they're like really definite. You know what I mean? You see a tornado, you kind of just like you see a a tornado is scarier to me than a hurricane. Yeah. You know what? I think the scariest out of all of the natural disasters would probably be. I think it's on the west coast. I wouldn't want to live on the on the west coast because I think earthquakes and uh, rampant wildfires are scarier than tornadoes and hurricanes. A fire, you can't really survive through a fire. You can survive through a hurricane, you can survive through a tornado, but I think if a fire comes and you're, like, in your house, you're pretty much Right. I also feel done. like a tsunami is terrifying. Oh, if I yeah. had to pick, like, one natural disaster that was the scariest, it would be a tsunami. I like think a huge 150-foot tsunami. Right, like in Japan yeah. ha- that happened or however Thailand, long back. Right? Yeah. I'm going to raise you one. I, I, I think earthquakes are terrifying because, you know, maybe like the, the religious ideology of the earth Earth's opening earth. <laughs> and you just falling down into it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, now that you mentioned that, that probably for me the, the scariest natural disaster would be a massive volcano eruption. Yeah. That would be concerning too. That would like be scary. Like Yellowstone status. Right. Yellowstone or uh, what's the one... Uh, What's the famous one? Pompeii. In your, thank you. Pompeii. In Greece. In that was Greece. like thousands of years ago. But though. still. But like something it, like that could still happen. No, yeah. Well, Yellowstone's supposed to happen any day now, apparently. Don't say that. Don't say that. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, yeah. I mean, that's kind of like the asteroid hitting the earth or like, you know. That would gonna, also be pretty scary. That would yeah. probably be the worst one, I think. Yeah. An asteroid coming because you, I feel like a volcano is kind of a surprise. A hurricane's kind of a surprise. Tsunami, maybe not so much a surprise, but like. I feel like you're watching that meteor come closer to the earth like you got like days you know what i mean where you're just watching it creep closer before you're finally like 
gone. You as know long, what I mean? As long as Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck are still alive, I'm not scared of Right, they'll be able to take that yeah. asteroid down. I feel like if there wasn't a real asteroid headed to Earth that the governments of the world knew was going to kill us, that they wouldn't tell us. And it would just be, like, amateur astronomers, like, on the internet, like, screaming that there's an asteroid coming towards us. And we'd all be like, oh, haha, those crazy conspiracy theorists. Like, like Alex Jones. Yeah. yeah. Alex Jones would be out there and be like, there's a fucking asteroid coming. It's going to kill all of us. like, oh, Alex Jones. Like, oh, you, <laughs> you silly. You rascal. And then we'd all realize it once it was too late that yeah, they were in, actually right. It's in the sky. And we're like, what the fuck is that? Right. Yeah. It's the coming. government lied to us? What? They might try to i feel like they might try to explode it or whatever or like destroy they would try. It. yeah but, but i'm if saying they failed well yeah. they just sent out that thing that the 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 asteroid deflector mm-hmm. or whatever see how that works i mean it's a it's a cool concept let's just i mean i think it's kind of funny you know human beings arrogance so like well we're just gonna deflect this asteroid that's just you know moving naturally through space and just fuck something else up for, right. for some right. some I mean it won't else. be us so that's fine. Yeah, we are an arrogant species. We are an arrogant species. I think Florida shows that too. People are like, "Oh yeah, these hurricanes come and destroy everything periodically, but you know what? I like it where it's warm and I like the beach and I'm staying here and we're going to fucking survive this because this is where I want to be." I just don't understand the people that um just treat i don't know i don't want to go down that route scratch that thought i don't want to want to blast a whole half a country but i do think it's interesting how people sit on a high horse and like especially the further south you go in florida like down near like the the miami miami beach area it's just like they're they're better than everybody else kind of like a california thing right Mm -hmm. or a texas thing where it's just like they're just better than everybody. I guess New York does it too, but you know these big populated areas where they're just instantly better than everyone else because they live there. Because they live in this destination where it's either beautiful or you know something. You know, big things happen constantly. Well, it's funny because when you're in Miami, people that live in Miami will actually tell you like Miami is not Florida. Miami is Miami, and the rest of Florida is Florida. Like, do not lump us in with Florida. We are not Florida. We are not Florida. That's what people in Miami would tell you. I feel like people from New York City would say the same thing about New York, but in reality... In reality, New York City is a lot different than the rest of New York. Right. Oh, yeah, definitely. So maybe there's some validity to that, uh, even though it might sound like super egotistical. Yeah, I mean, everybody has, like, pride in where they're from, you know, and nobody wants to leave. They want to stay there. They've been there their whole lives, and they represent it, you know what I mean? At least when you're from somewhere that's cool, like Miami or, like, Austin or Los Angeles or New York City— you know, you represent that shit. Get that tattooed on your body. Right. right. Or if you're, you know, like our episode we did the other day, if you're within two hours of it, you can rep that as your city. Right. Yeah, right. You, yeah. you can say you're from there. From Chicago. With I know, all the illegals. I know. I mean, I know for me, you know, if I'm far out of this area and someone, oh, you from Erie, where are you from, Erie? I don't know where that is. I'll just say it's close to Cleveland or it's close to Pittsburgh. Yeah. You know, just because it's easier that way. I just mm-hmm. say by the lake. By the lake. <laughs> yeah. No lake Erie? No. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I didn't pass fifth grade geography when we learned the Great Lakes. I was too busy in the streets. In the streets? No. Uh, streets are a dangerous place right now in Florida. Oh, I could imagine. Well, I mean, they're canals. Streets are a dangerous place in major cities right now. Yeah. For Islamic people. Maybe it's not dangerous for them, but there's all these protests going on lately from this uh, girl that got her head bashed in by the morality police in, in Iran. In Iran. Yeah. And there have been protests popping up all over Washington, D.C., New York City, California. Every like A lot of major metropolitan areas are very upset by this. This happened? I'm oh, sorry. I was just going to say, for people that like don't know what the story is... Um, a couple of weeks ago, there was a, I believe she was 23 years old. Her name was Masa Amini. There is what the, in Iran is actually called the guidance police, but uh, what everybody else is called the morality police. She had some of her hair um, coming out of her hijab. 
and these guys basically just walk around the streets of Iran and like police people's like dress code and how they're acting and they are supposed they like t- are supposed to take them to like classes to teach them how to be a better Muslim um, and they arrest this girl for having some of her hair showing supposedly beat her very badly uh she collapsed in the police station and then died a few hours later and i mean she was a healthy 20 something year old woman so um people in iran are sick of it and there have been a ton of protests um women you know burning the hijabs and cutting their hair off which is a very big deal in a place like iran and has gained like international eyes because of how big it's become there and how upset people are about it there was uh oh this one caught traction i remember a few years ago when i was uh as a student working on as a sports editor on the baron beacon i wrote a piece because there was a, a woman who was going to soccer matches in iran where uh i don't know if it was just like the local club or if it was national law but women weren't allowed to go and be in the stands and cheer it was all men Mm -hmm. um and she was dressed up as a man uh well she got caught and she got sentenced to death Hmm. right you know so it's it's not the first time iran has done iran has been in in this kind of a place for doing something similar to this well and they're out there in the streets of iran killing a lot of these protesters like they've had public hangings for some of these people that are out in the streets protesting, I mean, they're just indiscriminately killing them. When do you think they've, they're going to have enough? That's tough because you marry uh, religion to politics. I mean, I guess maybe it's more, like you said, like the, the morality what was the word? The guidance. Uh, they guidance. call it the guidance police, but I feel like there's certain like ways you can translate, you know, foreign words. So it could be translated as morality police. But I, I watched an interview with a woman who's in, who lives in Iran and is inside of Iran right now. And she just said, like, it's technically the, the guidance police because they're supposed to guide you to be a better Muslim. But morality police sounds better than our narrative, you know? Yeah, guidance, morality. I mean, I think the only... I mean, it's a huge difference, but I think the the only difference is that, you know, we're a Christian country. Right. Mm. We just don't have a form of guidance police over here. Not yet. yet. Not, not yet. yet. I, I, Hopefully they're not coming. I don't, we're all going away, dude, for what we're saying in podcasting down here. If we did this in Iran, we'd all go to, we'd have to be in a secret underground bunker and move from place to place and hide i i think that the um the subjugation to violence of anybody is wrong that's my personal belief i don't know enough about the specific religion to speak on that i would say that murdering somebody uh for something that that doesn't seem like that big of a deal to me as a as a as a bystander is wrong, but I don't. I, you sign with Iran here, Dave. There's I'm not, dip, no, there's it different. Sounds like Dave's on Iran's team. He's no, saying no. There's no, different cultural culture. norms. There's different cultural norms, and so like what may seem completely unacceptable to us, like is part of their life and that is acceptable to a lot of the population in iran thank thank you that's what i was trying to say their their pain threshold is pretty high as far as things like this are concerned like if you had a country where i don't know if there's any left you know i don't I, i don't i'm ignorant to it but let's say you have a country where the age of consent is lower than it is in America. I'm sure there's lots of countries. Oh, 100, 100%. Right. I just don't know the exact <laughs> right, one, so right, I'm not yeah. call it out. But, like, over there, you know, if you're sleeping with, like, a 14, 15, 16-year-old, it's just a, and you're an adult, it's a normal thing. But over here, it's something that you get dragged over the coals, send them to the, uh, you know, the gas chamber, whatever right. type thing. Now, since I've grown up in America and 
you know, just from a like a like a human biology side, you know, I, I can understand that people like that aren't grown. I wouldn't I wouldn't be behind be like absolutely those people are sick or whatever, but they come from a different culture, you know, it's just I think the reason that they hate Americans so much is because of that, like, uh, egotistical, we know everything, we know we're better than you type of right. thing. Right. You need to live your lives according to our standards, or you're wrong. I still think it's absolutely wrong that this this poor girl was was. Well, murdered. 100%, she shouldn't have been murdered, and that's how a lot of people in the country feel. And that's exact. I think that's the biggest telltale sign, because this is a Muslim country, and these are, you know, you know, I'd assume most of these people are are devout followers of that religion. So the fact that there's that much outrage there should spark the 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 obvious debate that what happened was very very wrong. It's 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 definitely not an acceptable thing from our viewpoint, and I don't think it's acceptable mostly over there either. And uh, I don't think they really planned on murdering this girl it seems like she was abused and treated very roughly and poorly to the point that she did die um and it's understandable that they're upset and pissed off and i'm just wondering when because i I don't think that like the army of iran or the guidance police morality police regular police whoever is enough to control that population if they were to decide that enough was enough i i don't know because i, I guess i wonder what but there is the fear of violence i wonder what the attention span is compared to americans because the way you just said that they didn't mean to they just roughed them up and hurt them and they happened to die reminds me a lot of the the protests in 2020 yeah, over 100%. Breonna taylor george yeah. floyd or you know ahmaud arbery and uh you know the, the it's still like people feel strongly here but like after a couple months like the kind of peters out well the people that it matters to the most are still out there you know pounding the pavement as hard as ever but like the auxiliary people who were pissed at the shock of it all at once kind of dissipated quickly right Right. well and i think that so listening to this interview the other day um it was it was very interesting because i feel like it gave another side to the story i feel like a lot of the commentary i've seen on this is from people that are not inside of iran so there there have been a lot of protests in Tehran, which is the capital of Iran, but it's not so... And, like, some of... A few of the bigger cities, there have been protests, but it's not like this is countrywide. Iran's a pretty big country. Mm-hmm. Um, and not every single person in the population is, like, outraged mm-hmm. and in the streets. And a few of the bigger cities, a lot in Tehran, but, like, in a lot of places, there aren't protests like this happening i bet you they probably hide a lot of this in the media too it's probably not published in the papers in iran that like this girl was killed for having her hair stick out of her hijab or maybe i mean i don't know i'd have to find an uh a newspaper from there but since it's something that could be would be justifiable you know uh, from the people in power. Right. They might put it out there in a way that, like, yeah, if you don't listen to us. Yeah, this is what's going to happen to you. This is what's going to happen. Right. I mean, I think we have different uh, views of, like, what laws are unjust to. Like, I would find that to be a very unjust law just to be arrested for that. But over there, if she would have been arrested, you know, mm-hmm. you know, maybe roughed up because she was uh, uh, resisting or something, but if she would have been arrested, it probably wouldn't even. Oh, it, I'm sure it wouldn't be a worldwide story. I mean, and in theory, what was actually supposed to happen was they were supposed to take her to like some center, and she was supposed to go to like this class for a few hours to like teach her how to dress modestly. Like that is what, in theory, the guidance police is supposed to do. So it's not like they're arresting her and taking her to jail. It's just supposed to be, like, guidance classes, supposedly, um, which obviously, you know, it's not always going to turn out like that. But that is, in theory, what they are supposed to be doing. They're not taking people to jail. Do you you know more about this one than I do? It seems like you've done more research. What I'm interested in is, has that guidance, off, guidance officer faced any repercussions? Oh, I can't imagine. No, that. no. I, um... The Supreme Court in Iran just 
came out with an official statement for the first time since all of the protests have happened. And from what I, I didn't read in depth about it, but from what I did read, they're basically saying that there was no like wrongdoing um, from the guidance police. Because the thing is, is there's no like video evidence so far of like these police beating her up. There is video evidence of them putting her in a van um, and she seems fine. She seems healthy. And then there's video evidence of her collapsing in the police station. But what happened in the van from where they picked her up to the police station is what there is really no record of. So the story I read said that they were hitting her in the head with batons and that she collapsed onto the ground, hitting her head off the concrete, and then they hit her head off the van more before putting her inside of it. I mean, I watched the video of them putting her in the van and I didn't see that. I also watched the video of her collapsing in the police station and she was just standing there on her own. There was nobody around her. Hmm. So I think that anything that might have happened was like inside of the van or they could have been like hitting her before they got her right to the van because the video I watched is like right when they're getting to the van to put her in the back of it. Right. Also, how much do we trust Iran to really tell us the the truth of what happened in this situation? How much do you trust anybody that's in power? Right. They do no. Something wrong. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying that the the Supreme Court in Iran is right. I'm just saying that's the statement that they have come out with. Right. Most recently is that there was no wrongdoing. I mean, there's certainly not going to be any like accountability or repercussions for these particular officers that. Uh, committed these crimes if it's proven. I mean, I feel like even if they discover evidence of these officers doing this, they're going to sweep it under the rug. Like, it's already become an international incident. They're not going to release more evidence to to say these people did something wrong. I think it's also important that uh, a lot of the outrage comes from uh, let's say places that aren't necessarily allies of Iran. You know, so like... You know, you know, we're there. We're at odds with Iran anyway. So if a bunch of Americans are protesting about yeah. what they did, why do they even give a flying fuck? You know, right. Iran doesn't care about that. I I also find it so. Uh, in some of the stuff I've been listening to, the hashtag for Masamini is actually now the most used hashtag in Twitter history. Mm. You wow. m- use more than any other hashtag so far in the entire history of Twitter. Um, and not that I don't think that this is an, you know, outrageous tragedy. I just find it's interesting that because uh, Twitter is banned in Iran. Mm-hmm. Nobody in Iran can use Twitter. So I just think it's really interesting that this one incident has become so popular internationally when it, Iran is a really big enemy of ours. Um, I mean, I can think of at least one similar incident that happened in a country that is an ally of ours recently this year where it was like purposefully swept under the rug despite people trying to bring attention to the issue and it's certainly because this country is an ally of ours so it's just very interesting to me that this particular incident although it is a tragedy, is getting all of the attention that it is. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm sure, you know, the fact that it comes from a, a blood enemy, a sworn enemy of, of freedom and democracy, that it was able to, you know, uh, flourish and, right. you know, the free social media is, uh, it, it, I guess it makes sense that it's the most trending of all time. I mean, Islam is the biggest religion in the world, so it would definitely be an interest piece to a larger uh, worldwide audience than, than other things, I'm sure. Right. right. Well, and you can never let a good tragedy go to waste, you know? Uh, it's Got to sell them newspapers. Right. I mean, you, it's true, though. You hate it, but people are, like you said, people are drawn with the Ian thing. People are drawn to the... Uh, the sad, the unfortunate, the gory, the, you know, train wreck that you can't look away from. Hey, p- people get more drawn into that than, than, you know, a nice picture of a sunset, you know, of a good Samaritan story. It's absolutely true. Yeah. It's very sad, very tragic. 
And uh, for <laughs> to to lighten up the mood, I want to read this <laughs> okay. le- these letters really quick from Trump to uh, no, these ones are Kim, from Jong- Kim, Kim Jong-un to, to Trump. Trump. They've been translated and they've been released, so we're going to check those out really quick. And I'm excited. All right. These are some very poignant so, pieces of literature. This first one is from December 25th from Kim Jong-un to Trump. Your Excellency, it has been 200 days since the historic DPRK-US summit in Singapore this past June. And the year is now almost coming to an end. Even now, I cannot forget that moment of history when I firmly held Your Excellency's hand at that beautiful and sacred location as the whole world watched with great interest and hope to relive the honor of that day. As I mentioned at that time, I feel very honored to have established an excellent relationship with a person as such as Your Excellency. I have already instructed my closest and most trusted colleagues and the relevant organs to speed up the preparations for holding a second DPRK US summit and am prepared to achieve good results with your excellency during the next meeting. Nevertheless, what worries me is that it may not reflect positively on us should both sides appear to stubbornly insist on our respective positions regarding the location of the summit. It could also result in wasting a lot of time. Therefore, my position is to urgently hold senior-level contact between the DPRK and the U.S. to internally, translators note privately, discuss and coordinate issues regarding the location. I hope that your excellency will once again demonstrate great decisiveness and excellent leadership to accomplish the results in the second DPRK summit. I wholeheartedly hope that the things that your excellency Excellency seeks to achieve will come to great fruition. I wish the Honorable First Lady, your family, and those close to you good health, happiness, and great success. If you didn't tell me who that was, I would think that would, that was like some Charlotte Bronte or something. Right. One of the Bronte sisters. It's like, very romantic. Yeah, I'd be like, he is misses this for- him. Is this like Wuthering Heights? Is this an Emily, Emily Bronte uh, Bronte passage? It was beautiful. He, he's really <laughs> romanticizing that handshake that they shared in Singapore, too. Yeah. I feel he clearly, Trump clearly had a very deep impact on Kim Jong-un. So That's so. right. That's and, and do we think it's a good impact or a bad impact? I mean, it was probably, I'd imagine that it was good. I don't know. What's your definition of good? <laughs> Something that keeps our interests, uh, my personal interests, in, in safety. Can I read the second one? Yeah. Okay. So this one was on June 10, 2019. Your Excellency, Mr. President, I am writing this letter to you as we are nearing the first anniversary of our meeting in Singapore on June 12th. The historic moment of great significance that captured the attention of the world and left an imprint still indelible in my memory, as well as to congratulate you on your birthday, which is just days away. I take it as a great honor to be able to send such a letter to your excellency. I extend my sincere and warm regards to your excellency on this occasion of your birthday. My regards also to the First Lady and the rest of your family and all your people. And I wish everyone good health and happiness and hope that everyone's dream will become a beautiful reality. Like in the brief time we had together a year ago in Singapore, every minute we shared 103 days ago in Hanoi was also a moment of glory that remains a precious memory. Such a precious memory that I have in my unwavering respect for you will provide impetus for me to take my steps when we walk toward each other again someday in the future. I also believe that the deep and special friendship between us will work as a magical force that leads the progress of the DPRK-US relations, clearing all the hurdles we face in the process of bringing about the developments we seek to achieve. Your Excellency, Mr. President, 
I still respect and lay my hopes on the will and determination that you showed in our first meeting to resolve the issue of our unique style that nobody had ever tried and to write a new history. Today's reality is that without a new approach and the courage it takes, the prospects for resolution of the issue will only be bleak. I believe the one day will come sooner or later when we will sit down together to make great things happen with the will to give another chance to our mutual trust. Such a day should come again. It may well be recorded as yet another fantastic moment in history. I assure your excellency that my respect for you will never change. Happy birthday once again, your excellency. I hope your excellency will always be in good health and achieve success in your work. I extend my best wishes on behalf of my family to the first lady and the rest of your family. Sincerely yours, Kim Jong-un. Well, all I have to say about that is Hamlet who? That's the best (laughs) soliloquy I've ever heard in my fucking life. It was pretty beautiful. I shed a tear. You couldn't see it, I don't think. I had to pull my hood up. Right. right. You got to hide those things. I right. feel like Trump can't appreciate the beauty that was in that letter to him. You know what I mean? I feel like this translator is a borderline genius. <laughs> I mean, he just translated Kim Jong-un's beautiful words, you know? Right. He probably has to be a genius so he doesn't get, you know, disappear. Right. It, it, it's quite incredible. It really seems like this, like Kim Jong-un truly wants to emphasize his deep and unwavering respect for his excellency the president i feel like he did that pretty well donald trump your excellency the only image that i have is uh that he speaks exactly the way that donald trump does but this trans like imagine donald trump the way he speaks and a translator to north korean makes it sound exactly like how oh that my God, letter is right that's yeah. the image I'm getting, and that's just that just brings a smile. I just want to know if this is, if this translator is from North Korea, or if he's American, because I feel like if he's from North Korea, then he really has to translate the shit out of this letter. I feel like the really translator good. that went that made it into English is probably an American. Probably, but does he still have a deep and unwavering respect for the Almighty Leader of North Korea? I mean, just because he can speak Korean doesn't mean he's from North Korea. No, I guess not. I don't know if they speak different language in North Korea versus South Korea. I mean, I'm sure there's different dialects, but they both speak Korean. Yeah. Either way, we hope you all enjoyed that. <laughs> and we hope you Some guys enjoyed the love show. Letters. The beautiful love letters between Kim Jong-un and uh, His Excellency, <laughs> the greatest president, Donald Trump. Thank you, everybody. Good night. <laughs>